0: I stand up here watching you guys, and I I realize what Pastor Jeff means by this could go on all day. (laughs) Thank you all for being here. We welcome the people that are online joining us. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Mark Colbrenner. My wife, Lori, and I have been attending here for about seven or eight years, somewhere in that range. We also lead one of the Life Cares, and we are so happy to be sharing with you today. What a week at RLC. Wednesday morning prayer. Then we did the book study Wednesday night on The Freedom of Self Forgiveness by Tim Keller. It was the third session. It's an incredible book. It opened our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to what God thinks we should do or what we should be doing for God. And then Friday night, holy moly. A praise service Friday night that was awesome. Awesome, awesome. And I want to thank Pastor Jeremy and Shelby for putting that together. They did an awesome job. And thank you for all that served on Friday night. It was really incredible. So as Dennis said, and Pastor Jeremy probably said, today's the last day of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Is anybody disappointed? I count it as a blessing to have such an encouragement to pray and fast. In the three weeks, to me, was a little bit too short, but it's a God-guided time for us. And if you're not taking advantage of the Word for You Today devotionals or another devotional so that you stay in the Word every day, you are missing out. I highly recommend if you're not you doing some form of devotional that you're in the Word every day, that you find one that works for you. And word for you today may not work for you. Lori and I do two different ones because we like the balance of, of the difference. But there's a lot of them out there. So, is anybody ready to go on vacation? Now, I know some of you just came back from vacation because every year when our kids were in school, we left the Friday before February vacation, went to Florida to our, my in-laws and then came back on Saturday or Sunday. But are you the type of person that prepares to go on vacation? Makes a list of things that you need to take? Gets everything ready and plans it well in advance? You know, like, what clothes do I need to pack? What shoes will I need? Do I need a jacket or a winter coat? Do I need an umbrella or a raincoat? What other things do I need to get ready? Do I need to make sure that I have someone ready to bring my trash cans in? It just seems like a coincidence that every time we go out of town, it's the day before trash is picked up, or the day the trash is picked up. But I have some awesome neighbors. I have awesome, awesome neighbors that come and take my trash cans in for me, but you might need to plan for that. And how am I getting to the airport or the train station, or how am I getting where I'm going, and and how am I getting back? So you need to get everything ready before you go on vacation. You need to plan ahead, making sure you're prepared. And what's nice is you know exactly when you're going to go. Lori and I are going on vacation toward the end of April, so we know and we're starting to get stuff ready already because you know when you're going to be going on vacation. But we do not know when Jesus is coming back. We do not know when he will be here to sort out the people. So the definition of ready in Merriam-Webster's dictionary is prepared mentally or physically for some experience or action. And in wordreference.com it says, completely prepared or in a fit condition for action or use. God is the only one that knows when Jesus is coming back. So we must be mentally and physically prepared for that time. Now, I worked for 33 years in the Rome Fire Department. Thank you. In the fire service, we are always preparing for the next call that's going to come in. We're always preparing for someone in need of help. We would make sure that all of our personal equipment, our helmet, our coats, our gloves, our pants, our air pack that we wear to breathe in bad environments, everything we have is ready and prepared for us to protect us. And then we go through our tools and equipment and our vehicles to make sure that we're gonna be able to respond. We never knew when that next call was going to come in, but we were certain that there was going to be a call coming in eventually. And someone was going to need help. And we needed to be prepared to better protect ourselves and protect the people that we were helping. Like the firefighters being fully ready and prepared for the next call that comes in because you know it's coming. We need to be prepared for Jesus is coming back. Because we know he is coming. So think about this. If you were planning on going on vacation and you neglected to make arrangements for a ride to the airport or to the train station you are likely to miss your transportation to vacation. You're going to miss that plane or train. It is much like when we're preparing for the coming of Jesus. If you are not prepared and ready and made plans ahead of time, when he comes, you might miss out. I'd sure rather miss my vacation than miss when Jesus comes for us. Are you prepared to face Jesus if he was to come here now or today? Or if he was prepared, are you prepared to Face Jesus if he comes next week or next month. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the people gathered here in your house and people gathered at home watching. We thank you that you are with us because we know that when two or more are gathered, you are there. We thank you for the words that you share with us that someone, everyone in here, will take a small piece of or a large piece of to bring to their hearts, to bring to their souls, to bring to their minds, to prepare themselves for Jesus, Father. Be with us today as we receive your words in Jesus' holy name. So in Matthew 24, 44, it says, therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And in Luke 12, 40, it says, you you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The therefore in Matthew's scripture says, therefore, you must be ready. Now, Pastor Jeff has talked to us in the past about what therefore means in the scriptures. It means for that reason or because of that. And so my thing, that I, the example that comes to my head is the, the athlete. The, the athlete, the basketball player got injured, therefore, he's not going to be able to play in the game tonight therefore also relates back to something earlier in the scripture. So in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is predicting his death and resurrection. He's explaining to the disciples what's going to happen. He's telling the disciples that the temple will be destroyed. The temple being his body will be destroyed. And that there will be war and famines and earthquakes and all kinds of things going on. So when we read that Matthew 24, 44 scripture, therefore you must be ready... It's relating back to Jesus telling the disciples or telling us that he's coming back. So you must be prepared, you must be ready. I'd like to go back and look at a little more of Matthew chapter 24 prior to this therefore so we can see a little bit more about what preceded it. In Matthew 24, 36, it says, but about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun but only the Father. God is the only one that knows the time that he's going to send Jesus back to us. The angels don't know. Jesus himself doesn't know. God is the only one that knows. I know pastors said many times, if we knew what God had planned for us, it wouldn't go, wouldn't go over well. Can you imagine what our society would be like if they said Jesus is coming back on February 29th? You'd have both sides of it. You'd have the people that are doing great efforts to prepare and people that are doing great efforts to get everything they can get out of the world before they leave. So in Matthew 24, 36, it says, but about the day and hour, no one knows. And then we move down to Matthew 24:37 to 39. And this is a big one. As it was in the days of Noah... We all know what happened in the days of Noah. So it will be coming in, in, at the coming of the son of man. For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And up to the day that Noah entered the ark, they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be in the coming of the son of man. People were laughing at Noah because it took him years to build that ark. People were making fun of him. They wanted, if if it was in today's society, they would have locked him away somewhere thinking he was very crazy. The people didn't know or believe that the floods were coming. They didn't know or believe that this was going to happen to them and they didn't prepare for it. And they just carried on with their lives. They had parties, the same as they always did. They lived the same lifestyle. The lifestyle that God was trying to eliminate, they just carried on. Today we stand in a very similar place. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus is coming back. There's a lot of people that are not preparing for Jesus's return. Think about it. Therefore, because he is coming back, we must be ready because we do not know when. And when he does come back, we look at Matthew 24, 40 to 41. When Jesus does come back, Jesus said, two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, One will be taken, and the other left. I'm sure you all want to be, just like I do, the one that Jesus takes by the hand. It says, come with me. I sure don't want to be standing there as Jesus walks away with all my family and friends. I want to be the one that Jesus says, come. Jesus is coming back. We need to be ready. We need to be fully prepared. John 14, one through four says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Jesus told us he's preparing a place for us in God's house. So think about this. This is a reservation at the most awesome Airbnb ever. Right? You not only have a place to sleep, a, a place to stay, some entertainment, but everything you need will be provided for you. Everything you need. You don't even have to worry about the kitchen in the Airbnb because it'll be provided for you. There'll be no more worries. There'll be no more troubles. There'll be no more pains. We'll all be renewed in this awesome Airbnb. But wait, the real catch to it is, it's all been paid for in advance. It's all taken care of. Jesus died for us. Suffered and died on the cross after living a sinless life. And then he came back to be at heaven with God And when he comes back here, he has already prepared that Airbnb for us. That room is ready for us. In the Bible, it tells us many things that are going to happen before Jesus comes back. And as we look at the Bible, what it says in Jesus' return, we should think and compare it to what's going on in our communities, in our state, in our nation, and around the world. Jesus told the disciples what to expect. In Matthew 24, verse 3 through 7, in the New Living Translation, it says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, man, Jesus did a lot of teaching when he was sitting there. I love reading through that, and that was part of my fasting was to keep reading through the Gospels. And for some reason, I loved going back to the Sermon on the Mount and the Mount of Olives. But as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what be a sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I don't want to see a show of hand, but how many of you have asked God the same thing? When is this going to happen? Is it going to come soon? Am I really prepared? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Who is the king of lies and deceit? The enemy. And the enemy wants to take control of you. He wants you to follow him. So we have to continuously fight that and pay attention that we're not following that one that comes and says I'm the Messiah, but is really not. He's a deceitful. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Deceits, lies, wars, famine, earthquakes. So much of it is going on today. I am not a social media person. You might find me on Facebook, but the only reason I ever signed into Facebook was to stalk my children. But I was not smart enough to get through it, so my name pops up, there's nothing there. I could never figure it out. But social media is so full of lies and deceit. So full of lies and deceits. I I get these pop-ups. I like, I still follow a lot of the fire service stuff, but every once in a while, one of those pop-ups comes up that's not fire service related. But did you know that the castle at the Magic Kingdom burned to the ground? Because it was listed as a fire, it shows up in my fire... Stuff And I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. So I Googled it, and it's one of those deceits. The video looked perfect. I mean, that, the Cinderella's castle is engulfed in fire. But social media is so full of deceits and lies. And people post all kinds of false information. So you need to be careful. That's part of the enemy's work at attacking you. The other problem I find with social media is... People are so willing to attack others on social media. Because you can say whatever you want. I have distance between you and me, so you can't get at me. And I can be anonymous. Jesus talked about the deceit that's going to go on. And then when you look at the wars that are going on around the world, the war in the Middle East involving Israel and Palestine and the terrorists down there, and with all sorts of different attacks going on in the Middle East area, If you're not aware, three US soldiers were killed and 40 others were injured in January in Jordan, right near Syria, right in that Middle East area. The war going on between Russia and Ukraine. There's warring factions all over in different areas of the world. Many, many of them are going on in Africa where different tribes of people are fighting with other tribes to take over their land, to take over their wealth, to take over their people. And when it talks about famine, there's people all over the world that are suffering from hunger, lacking of food, including here in the United States. According to Feeding America, 44 million Americans, including one in five children, do not have enough food to eat on a daily basis. 44 million Americans, one in five of which is children, do not have enough food to eat. So here are some of the other things the Bible mentions that will happen before Christ's return. There will be a falling away. First Timothy 4, 1-2 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, and we are in later times right now, in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. All around the world, people are falling away from Christ and following the false teachings. Following the hypocritical liars. A study done by Pew Pew Research Center found that American Christians accounted for about 90% of the population 50 years ago. So, 50 years ago, 90% of the population identified as Christians in America. In 2020, it's down to 64%. Last week, Pastor Jeff told us that globally, and I verified it in three different sources, globally only 31.5% of people identify as Christians. So like every other survey that's ever taken, this can be very accurate in that one out of three people in the world identify as Christians. But when they say I identify as Christian, are you really a Christian? Are you following Jesus' teachings? Are you living a life like Jesus lived? But even if that 31% is true, one out of three people in the world are Christians. The falling away has led to a huge decline in church attendance in the United States. And I was going to rattle off all the stats I had from Pew Research, but I think just realizing that 64% of Americans identify as Christians and seeing how our church was affected going through COVID we can say that the church is losing attendance. And with fewer people attending church, there's fewer people reading the Bible and there's fewer people following Jesus' teachings. And one of the most amazing things I find, and it's happening in churches all over America, is churches are falling away from the truth of the Bible. They're starting to come up with man-made doctrines that distort or twist the scriptures to fit what? The churches believe, the pastors believe, or the prophets that are preaching believe. Again, the enemy wants to control everything in our life. In any way he can get into us, he will. People today are worshiping so many different idols. One of the things I see in our society that is what I would consider being driven by idols is the um, people that are driven by wealth, by possessions, and by power. And if you don't think possessions are an issue, as you drive around in the next few days, look at how many storage units there are and how fast they're building them. People have so many possessions, they're renting space to put their stuff in. In Matthew 24, 12, it says there'll be an increase in lawlessness. There'll be, and because the lawlessness increased, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is not just against man's laws. It's not against the society laws, but it's against the commandments. Sin is lawlessness. Everywhere you go in our society, you can witness the lawlessness around our society. The crimes that are going on against property, crimes against people, the violent crime, the mass shootings, the attacks on different groups of people. There's many that have no respect for authority. There's people around them and other people's, I'm sorry, they have no respect for authority, they have no respect for other people's properties, they have no respect for the people around them. Or even for human life and the Bible says along with the lawlessness love of many will grow cold As second Timothy 3 1 through 4 it says but mark this there will be terrible times in the last days there will be terrible times in the last days I'm believing it's not as bad right now as it's going to get It's going to be more terrible than we ever wanted to know. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a pretty all-inclusive list of a lot of what we see in the news today. Lovers of themselves and lovers of money. Again, the storage unit's all over the place. Boastful, proud, and abusive. Abusive. Christians all over the world are being persecuted for their beliefs in Jesus Christ. According to opendoors.com, which is a non-denominational mission supporting persecuted Christians all across the world. And it's one of them that I look, I I kind of look at on a regular basis because of our friends in Uganda to see what's going on. But opendoors.com says that across the world, more than 360 million Christians face a high level of persecution for their beliefs. Last year, 4,998 Christians were murdered. 4,998 Christians were murdered for believing in Jesus. And 14,766 churches worldwide were attacked and many destroyed. Many of the countries and missions that we support, with all those flags that are out in the foyer, many of those countries suffer the same lack of freedom, same, face the same persecution of Christians. There stories of Christians that meet in the basement of people's houses that disguise their Bibles as something different so that it can't be caught. So, how do we as Americans feel about our freedoms? We can worship anywhere, anytime, and any God that we want. When I think about that, we can worship anytime, anywhere, any God that we want. I wonder why does America not have the greatest number of Christians? Because nobody's gonna interfere with us. We can come here every Sunday I come to this building three or four days a week. And nobody stops me at the door. Nobody gives me a hard time. In fact, I get usually greeted with love from the office staff when I come in. Do you think that maybe the very freedoms we have as Americans is what prompts people to avoid Christianity? Christianity is where we are taught to live, how to live, where we're taught how to treat others. We're taught how we should share what God has blessed us with how we shouldn't have idols, we shouldn't chase after fortunes, or we shouldn't live for ourselves. We should be going by the teachings of God and Jesus Christ. Do you think maybe the very freedoms we have is what gets in the way of all that? Because I have the freedom to make as much money as I want. I can get a bazillion likes on whatever that means on the internet (laughs) Along with all that, though, the Bible tells us of some good things that are going to be happening before Christ comes. It says that in the Bible, the Bible says that it would be pro, the gospel will be proclaimed worldwide. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The gospel is spreading all across the world. We witnessed it in Uganda. If you paid attention to the news in the last couple of years, the colleges in America, in certain parts of the country, the Asbury University Awakening in Kentucky, where students from 21 colleges came together and had a huge revival that went on for many, many days. Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and Texas A&M in Texas both had huge revivals last year. There's many other college campuses where young people are coming together to give their life to Jesus. There was over 32,000 people who were inspired by the movie Jesus Revolution. And if you didn't see it, it's a movie to watch. 32,000 people were inspired by it, showed up at a beach in California where 7,000 of them gave their life to Jesus. A friend of ours from Uganda recently Sent me pictures of a youth conference going on in the church. It was the first one they'd done in this area. They had several hundred youths there, and a large, large group of them gave themselves to Jesus. And some of the impact we're having Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child is the shoe boxes we collect before Christmas time that go across the world. We call every box a gospel opportunity because along with the box of gifts that are donated, Every child receives a program that they can go through with a book that teaches them about what Jesus is about, teaches them the Gospels. It's a 12-session program that they get. Operation Christmas Child last year reached 200 million boxes. There was over, there was over 10 million boxes last year that was collected and sent out. That's 200 million gospel opportunities for someone to come to Jesus. So are you moving with God? God is always working, he's always on the move. We just have to have the desire to be a part of that and to do our part in that. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be up here preaching the gospel. You don't have to go to a revival or crusade I recommend you go even if you're just there as a spectator, they're pretty amazing. But you don't need to be all doing all that just to spread the word. It simply as living the life that God has given you. It's sharing the love that Jesus Christ has for you. It's telling your faith journey that shares in the God movement. As Pastor Jeff has been teaching for quite some time, we just need to be a living example of Christ. To spread the word the way we live the way we treat people the things we do are what's going to spread the word God is moving everywhere is he moving in you are you getting ready for Jesus's return I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what I found and how you need to get ready the first one is we need to clean up our lives or as the article I read said take out the garbage Philippians three: seven to eight, it says, "I once thought these things were valuable." This is Paul writing that all the things that he had in his life went before he met Christ, which I'm sure he had it pretty good, because he was a Roman soldier who was persecuting the Christ followers, because they weren't following the Jewish faith. But he says, "I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless." Because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. There is nothing more valuable. For his sake, I discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. It's getting rid of those things in life that are not Christ-like, that don't glorify God. So I'm gonna ask you, when you think of your life, what achievements make you proud? What things do you treasure? In what relationships do you prize? I'll give you them again. What achievements make you proud? What things do you treasure? And what relationships do you prize? Later on, make a list of those things. And make a list of all the things that you own in your mind. And for all that you want for the future. And then ask yourself, does it help or does it get in the way of Jesus? Does all that stuff you have and all that stuff you want and all that stuff you did, does it help? or does it get in the way of Jesus? Does it honor you, or does it honor Jesus? Does it honor you, or does it honor Jesus? When I read this the first time, it was eye-opening. We are to honor Jesus. If it's, you, stuff in your life is getting in the way of the life that Jesus has for you, If it's getting in the way of the things that God has for you to do and God has for you to be, you need to get rid of it. If it doesn't move you closer to Jesus, toss it out with the trash. None of it will ever be able to make you right with God. None of that trash will ever make you right with God. We need to remain close to Christ. And as we get closer and closer to Christ's return... We need to be closer to him. We're much closer today than we were yesterday to Jesus coming back. And we'll be another step closer tomorrow. In 1 John 2.28, it says, Remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. We want to be full of courage. We want to be strong. We want to be able to face Jesus, knowing that he loves us, he died for us, he's forgiven us. We don't want to be shrinking back in shame. I'm sure many of you are like me, and we think about those encounters we've had in life where we said something or did something that we know hurt someone's feeling, and we have to take the courage to go up to them and say, I am sorry. And some people feel that that's very shameful, but I feel it's very respectful. But there is times now that I think back in my life that I should have gone back and said, I'm sorry. We don't want to do that with Jesus. We want to be strong and full of courage so that there is no shame when we meet him. Our courage and closeness comes from being in the Word and studying the Word. Our courage and closeness comes from fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ. As Dennis mentioned, and I'm going to mention, Life Care starts March 15th, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., right over in the children's wing. There is no better fellowshipping connection than to come to Life Care, where we share a little bit about Sunday's message, we share a little bit about our lives, we share a little bit about our faith. It's great to have a group of brothers and sisters that you can reach out to in need. Closest to God is what will get us through the tough times. We need to remain closer than ever as the world gets further and further from Christ. We need God as close as possible at all times. The next step is we need to use troubles to make us spiritually strong. James 1, to 2-4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, now, it probably doesn't amount to much for most of you for the, just troubles coming your way. I have a lot in my life, but I don't know if everybody does. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Does that work for everybody? I got a bad time right now, and I'm going to have great joy over it. Here's why. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We need to hold strong to the faith to get us through the troubled times, because that builds our endurance. The more troubles you face, the easier they become. Is it work troubles? Is it financial difficulties? Is it relationship troubles? If we use our troubles correctly, we use them to grow us spiritually, we use them to help build our endurance, we'll be moving closer and closer to Jesus. The next step is we need to practice loving everyone. So what does it mean to love everyone? What does everyone leave out? No one. We need to love everyone. 1 John 4, 7, 8 says, do you have that slide? 1 John four seven eight says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It is important today more than ever that we are more loving because society is less loving. Society is more bitter. Society is more polarized. As we prepare for the return of Jesus, we need to become more loving, so that people see the love in our eyes, see the love in our actions. We must refuse to look down on people that are different from us. We must refuse to look down on people that have different views from us. We must refuse to look down on people who have different lifestyles from us. We need to consider that everyone is a child of God whether they want to be or not. Everyone is a child of God. And most importantly, everyone is someone that Jesus died for. Jesus didn't didn't die on the cross just for us because we come to church. Jesus died for everyone. We must love others as God loves us. And we must invest in the bank of heaven. I'm not saying we need to send our money to heaven But we need to invest what talents is, what talents, what time and what treasures God has given us to benefit others. Investing in heaven is investing the blessings that God has given you to increase his kingdom. From the richest of us to the poorest of us, we can all make investments in heaven by simply taking advantage of what God has given us and showing the love of Jesus. God created us all and called us by his glory to his goodness. The power to live the holy life comes from God. God allows us to share his divine nature. God allows us to share his divine nature in order to keep us from sin and to help us to live for him. When we are born again, God's Holy Spirit empowers us with our own goodness. We're empowered to escape the corruption and evil desires of the world. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We need to follow God and live a godly life. Jesus fought the battle for us. Jesus won the victory for us. Jesus died on the cross to cleanse us of our sins. Jesus went to heaven to build us a house, to build us a room, to have a place for us to stay. He's coming back to take us to that home, but we don't know when. 2 Peter 3.15. It says, and remember, the Lord's patience gives more people time to be saved. The Lord's patience gives people more time to be saved. Maybe that's why Jesus hasn't come yet. God is having patience so we can work on making more people believe in Jesus, leading more people to Jesus, so that more people, less than one in three, less than one in two, that both people in the field, that both women at the mill will go to see Jesus. We can share the love and peace of God with anybody we know. And we all need to be prepared for Jesus' return. We need those around us to be prepared, and we need to help those around us to prepare. God is coming, Jesus is coming back. God is sending him back to us at a date that we don't know. But as you've heard over and over, that day is getting closer and closer. Just as you would be ready for vacation. Or like the firefighters preparing for that next call. You need to get yourself ready for the Son of Man is coming back. I found this amazing article, the statement in an article, regarding what it means to be ready for Jesus' return. This is what it means to be ready for Jesus' coming back. Above all, it means to come to faith in him. To believe in Jesus as one's Lord and Savior to receive and live his forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. No one is ready for Jesus' return who has not received Jesus as Savior. One more time. Above all, it means to come to faith in Jesus, to believe, is, to believe as Jesus as one's Lord Savior, to receive and live in his forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. No one is ready for Jesus' return who has not received Christ as their Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today or online today and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today, right now, is the time. If you've heard about Jesus today and the return that he's going to make and it has piqued your interest and desire to know him better, you're in the right place. If you're searching for that Savior, if you're searching for that redemption, for that forgiveness, I ask that you please raise your hand so I know who we're praying for. Thank you. Let us all pray this prayer together. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you today with open minds and open hearts. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, was crucified and died, was buried and rose again. Jesus rose so that all our sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Christ, today I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want to give my life to you. Guide me. Govern me. Be Lord over all my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Amen.